Hey y'all, welcome back to I Must Discuss and today I must discuss episode 5 of House of the Dragon. So much happened. Okay, do we have a new little finger in the house? Just wondering. Sir Kristen loses his mind. We finally meet Damon's wife, although it briefly and there's a wedding, okay? And we all know what type of wedding Game of Thrones gives. And this one did not disappoint. So let's get right into it. Okay, so episode five is called We Light the Way. Now, I think they really need to do better with these episode titles. Like, what did that have to do with anything that we saw? If you get it, please let me know because I don't get it. All season, I have been retitling these episodes, so this one I'm calling An Open Secret, okay? Because everything in this episode was about open secrets. So the episode opens on a beautiful morning in a green field, and I'm thinking, are we in King's Landing? Because to me, everything on this show looks like King's Landing. But we see this woman on a horse, and I notice she's wearing like this brown like leather uniform. And I'm like, oh, ooh, we're in the veil. This must be Lady Rhea, Damon's estranged wife. And uh, I end up being correct. This is Lady Rhea. I'm like, okay, we finally get to meet her and understand like why does Damon have such a problem with her? Well, we quickly learn, right? So before she runs into Damon, we see her interact with her cousin, Lloyd Royce, who we will see later on. And so she's been hunting deer. He offers to go with her, but she wants to go alone, which ends up being a big mistake. And we see that momentarily. Cut to the next scene. She's riding her horse and she stops. And then we see Damon standing in the field looking like a creep looking like E.T. phone home with a hood over his head. Anyway, we just learned a few important things about their relationship very quickly. Number one, they haven't consummated the marriage. And this speaks to Damon's alleged impotence. She is definitely no nonsense. She doesn't put up with Damon's crap. So I'd say personality-wise, she really reminded me of, if you remember Game of Thrones, Lady Lyanna Mormont, a tough-talking 10-year-old <laughs> from Bear Island who would read, you know, Grown Men for Filth. And she also reminds me of Arya Stark, who was also tough, no nonsense. So she's a good combination of those two. And then lastly, you know, she's just not going to put up with Damon's garbage. So there's definitely no love lost. I was oddly, you know, reassured that the animosity was on both sides of the marriage and it wasn't just like Damon hating on her. Um, she also gave him crap too. So I watched this scene two or three times to try to understand like what happened. So Damon like has his hand outstretched in front of the horse's face. And I don't know what he was doing. Was he trying to summon his dragon? Like, I don't know. I got the sense that he was like trying to spook the horse. Anyway, so he is approaching her. She rightly gets defensive, and as she reaches for her bow, the horse uh, gets spooked, and it throws her backwards. And so she's basically, I'm assuming, paralyzed at this point. He walks up to her, and he puts his foot on her forearm lightly, and then he walks away. And then she yells at him, I knew you couldn't finish which I don't know if they intended to have a double entendre there or not. 
I'm going to say they did. So he gets angry. He picks up a, a huge rock and walks towards her. And then we cut to the next scene. So it's pretty obvious to me that he murdered her. Uh, and that gets confirmed later on. So now we're on a boat. I don't know what the body of water is. At first I was thinking the narrow sea, and maybe that's correct, but I don't know. They're on the boat, obviously on their way to Driftmark. And the biggest takeaway from this scene, besides Viserys just being sick, is that the master of law, Lord Strong, is now the new hand of the king. You can clearly see the pin, you know, on his uniform. Back in King's Landing, it's raining, it's gray, dreary, and we see Lord Hightower packing up his horse to leave, and Alicent is trying to catch up to him to say, Dad, I didn't expect you to get fired. And he blames her for getting fired. He tells her that basically this, Viserys will die one day, and if Rhaenyra succeeds him, it's going to cause war because the realm won't accept her, as they have made apparent over and over and over and over again in these short few episodes, okay? And he warns her that Rainier is going to have to kill Allison's kids to secure her reign. And so he tells her to prepare her, your son Aegon to rule, or you can cleave to Rhaenyra and beg for mercy. And then he leaves her to uh, presumably go back to Old Town. And so she's, you know, standing there crying and she knows, and I think she's crying because not only were those words super harsh, but she knows he's probably telling the truth. And I feel like at this point, she's still conflicted about her loyalties. But, you know, that's the reality of the throne and King's Landing. So the Targaryen delegation has arrived in Driftmark. Viserys is all bedraggled and they're coming in. They're approaching High Tide, which is the name of, I guess, I guess we'll call it the castle. It's the name of the castle where the Lord Corliss and his family lives. So Viserys is, gets there and instead of the sea snake greeting him, he sends the kids out there. So it's Laenor's out there with his boyfriend and Lena, who Viserys rejected, actually greets them and takes them inside to, to meet Lord Corliss. So this scene with Alicent in the Godswood is probably the most consequential scene of this episode, in my opinion, because this is what sets off a series of events that you know, has that wedding go to hell in a handbasket. So Alicent is with Larry Strong, who is the youngest son of the Master of Law in the Godswood. We met him back in episode three at the hunt. He has a club foot, and so he hangs back and observes everybody. So he strikes up conversation with Alicent, first, you know, feigning sympathy about her dad getting fired. And he just reminds me of like the serpent in the Garden of Eden. So I'm going to call him the serpent. He asks her if she needs an ally. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm the queen. I got allies everywhere. And then she's like, boy, just get to the point. And so then he craftily asks after Rhaenyra's health. But listen to the clip. I did wonder if she could be relied upon now that she's unwell. 
Unwell? I haven't heard anything. Beg me your pardon, Your Grace, I may be mistaken. It's just that on the very same night your father was dismissed, the Grand Maester delivered a tea to the Princess's chambers. Tea? Yes. That the Grand Maester himself brought? At the direction of the King, as I understand it. I do hope she's not unwell. So in case you didn't catch on, he basically let her know that the maester delivered Rainier tea the night her father was fired. And he includes that it was the king who sent her the tea. He's definitely the new little finger, but he lacks a certain finesse. But he is, I guess, this series agent of chaos. My thoughts on him are these. I wonder what does he get out of this? Like, how does he benefit from Alicent knowing that Rhaenyra lied to her? You know, I mean, his own dad got to be handed the king. You know what I mean? So what is his axe to grind here? I'm wondering. And my thought, at least at this point in the series, is maybe it's just his way to get in the game of King's Landing, to get into the court politics and use the power of his information, his knowledge, the secrets that he knows to affect things. And maybe that's how he gets his thrills. Being the youngest son, he probably doesn't really stand to inherit any titles. You know, add on the fact of his disability in that environment at that time, he probably resents the fact that he's been overlooked. I hope we get a scene in the future between him and his father because I'd like to know more about their dynamic. So we are at high tide and Viserys and Lord Strong are negotiating Rhaenyra's marriage to Laenor with Lord Corlys, the sea snake. While they're talking with Lord Corlys, Princess Rhaenys comes in all energetic to see Viserys. And like, can I just say like, she is so fake, oh my goodness. But when she grabs his hands, she does notice that he's missing fingers. A few scenes later, and this is why I'm calling her fake because a few scenes later, she calls him pitiful for coming to them to beg for this marriage proposal. In this scene, we get confirmation that Damon's wife is dead and she died in a quote, hunting accident. But everybody's like, hmm. Viserys and Lord Corliss come to terms. The kids from Rhaenyra's marriage will have the Corley's last name, except when they ascend to the throne, they will take the Targaryen name so the Targaryen dynasty doesn't die out. Both sides are agreed. It's a done deal. Then on the beach, Rhaenyra and Laenor are walking. And so earlier when they arrived, she did spot him with his boyfriend. So when they're talking, she kind of hints that she knows his secret. She's like, hey, you know, I prefer roast duck, but other people like goose, you know, I think from my perspective, it would have made more sense if she just said, look, I know we both like roast duck, okay? But anyway, um, she basically says, look, let's just have an open marriage. He seemed relieved, like he seemed happy, like he was into it. And so we later learned that they basically grew up together. Princess Rhaenys is like, look, I know our son is gay. And the sea snake is like, look, he's going to grow out of it. <laughs> I'm like, he's definitely not growing out of it. More importantly, though, Rhaenys is concerned about their son's safety because she knows that Rhaenyra's reign will be challenged. But 
Sea Snake isn't worried about it. Then we cut to Lenor um, on the beach with his boyfriend, who is adjusting to the reality that Lenor is getting married. It's on the top of the beach. I had the same question. So this next part really makes me dislike Rhaenyra. She was my girl, but I don't know. I'm gonna have to put her to the side. So they're on the boat back to King's Landing. Sir Kristen appears on the ship to talk to her. And this is once again, another example of costuming doing a lot of the work. He is there, he doesn't have his armor on, he just has on a white undershirt. To me, that kind of symbolizes his pure heart. You know what I mean? He's bearing his soul. Anyway, Rhaenyra, and if you compare him to Rhaenyra, she has on layers. She has on her Targaryen red royal garb. It's like a outer jacket, not a jacket, but it's like a robe with it's very thick material. You see the gold leaves and all that embroidery, intricate, complicated. And, you know, he's standing there with just a plain white shirt on. So, but anyway, during this scene, first of all, he had more lines in this scene than all of his other scenes combined in all his episodes. Okay. But anyway, he wants her to run away with him to Essos so they can be free to marry for love. And like, as I'm watching this scene, I just have, I don't want to say secondhand embarrassment, but I just start to cringe because I'm like, this is not going to end well. Marry me, marry me, say yes. Sir Kristen is like, you're always complaining about the burden of your position. Just leave it come, you know, marry me, you know, let's, let's do the right thing. And she's like, look, I am the crown. My marriage is going to be open. So it's cool, but he's not having it. His white cloak is the only honor that he has. And he threw it away for her. He completely, you know, going back to the costuming, like he is literally and metaphorically exposed himself. He has disarmed himself and she crushed him. Now everyone's back at King's Landing and we see Alicent watch the king come out of his carriage and collapse and she literally doesn't flinch. Now that everyone's back, Alicent summons Sir Kristen and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is about to go down. Okay. And so it takes literally nothing for Sir Kristen to confess. And I'm like, I, I knew he could not keep a secret, right? But at this point, he has no reason to. He admits to breaking his oath, and he just asks for a merciful death rather than being tortured. But she takes no action. She just tells him he's free to go. We are finally at the start of the wedding celebrations. The scene opens with, you know, Rhaenyra and Lenor riding their dragons flying high. Then we're in the hall, the dining hall, and Alicent is not at the table. And then we get, we see some familiar faces. So Jason Lannister returns and he's his usual ignorant pig self. Then we see that Sir Kristen is alive and present when the Corlys family comes in. They're there in full, you know, full delegation. And Lenore's boyfriend, Sir Joffrey, is right there in the cut with everybody. Okay. So then it, the plot thickens and Damon has arrived for the celebration as well. And he takes his a seat at the head table and everybody's just looking like, what? And so 
Viserys gestures and they added a seat. And I'm just like, oh my God, this mess is about to blow up. And just when you think this scene can't have any more added tension. So as Viserys is trying to, you know, do his little opening speech, Alicent shows up while in the middle of him talking, all eyes on her. She's wearing this emerald green gown. You know, she looks very authoritative, looks very regal, commands the entire room's attention. And so we learn from Littlefinger Jr. that color green that she's wearing is the declaration of war for her house, which is House Hightower. So Allison gets to the table and she says, she basically refers to Rhaenyra as, you know, congratulations, stepdaughter. You know, I'm sure this is a blessing for you. And it's like, she has never called Rhaenyra stepdaughter, but like, she's definitely like asserting her authority and removing her loyalty, you know, from Rhaenyra. And, you know, everyone in the room knows what that color means. So it's basically on. So in this feast scene, there are so many moving parts. So I'm obviously not going to touch on everything, but I'm just going to do my best to like wrap up all this action. So Damon is trying to make eyes at Rhaenyra. She's avoiding his eye contact. This is the first of seven days of feasting and there's supposed to be a tournament. And I'm just like, man, all these people with all this tension in the room, they're not going to make it through the week. So we see Lord Royce that we saw in the veil at the beginning of the episode. He basically lets Damon know, I know you killed my cousin. Damon is completely unfazed and asks about his inheritance from his wife's estate. Basically like, look, I'm coming for your land. All my wife's property is coming to me. Lots of shots of people dancing. Rhaenyra dancing with her fiance. Lena is dancing with Damon at one point, flirting with him. Damon approaches Rhaenyra and they start talking in their high Valerian. She's kind of taunting him like, so what, what are you going to do? You want to marry me? You can fight my dad's Kingsguard and you would take me to Dragonstone, marry me. She's basically like daring him to act. And they look like they're about to kiss when like all hell breaks loose and we just hear all these screams and, and the crowd just rushes. But let me back up real quick to what causes the outbreak on the dance floors. Sir Joffrey figures out that Sir Christian is Rhaenyra's boyfriend. And so he slithers up beside him and is like, look, I know your secret. I'm with the groom. We need to keep their secret safe. And so, you know, there's, then there's, you know, cutting back and forth to different scenes. And we see Sir Christian is like doing the math. The drums in the background are intensifying. You see a quick shot of Viserys eating and he's completely oblivious. And then people just start screaming. And Sir Kristen has lost it and he is not just beating up Sir Joffrey, he is bludgeoning him to death. Basically, Sir Kristen killed Sir Joffrey and just walks out. And Laenor is just devastated. Next thing you know... Lenor is still crying and but they're in a chapel and Rhaenyra and Lenor say their vows and they basically just get married immediately while he's literally still crying about his boyfriend being killed. The presence of gods and men I proclaim Lenor 
of House Pilarion, Rhaenyra of House Targaryen, to be man and wife. One flesh, one heart, one soul, now and forever. Meanwhile, Sir Criston is in the Godswood and he's about to kill himself. We see Alicent stopping him and then we see Viserys collapse just after Laenor and Rhaenyra say their vows. And then the final shot is a rat eating blood off the floor in the frame. So here are my impressions and thoughts. They really wanted us to think that Viserys was going to die this episode, and he didn't. I mean, looking at the preview of next week, he is all up in there. He's clearly alive. So what was the purpose of trying to make us believe that Viserys was going to die this episode? I mean, was it just a red herring to throw us off from who was really going to die? I just found it incredibly annoying. And so speaking of deaths, so we had two deaths. One was... Lady Rhea in the Vale, killed by her husband. And then we had Sir Joffrey, Lenor's boyfriend, get murdered by... So I was a little bit disturbed by specifically the people who were killed in this episode. I would have much rather seen Jason Lannister just get popped in the face during the melee. I mean, just for the heck of it, I would have really enjoyed that. And while this was Rhaenyra's wedding episode, it was really all about Alicent, in my opinion. She learned the most important lesson in Westeros, family before everything. And, you know, she realized this when the serpent told her, you know, that the king sent Rhaenyra the tea. And I think in her mind, that just, that information just broke her. You know, why should she be loyal to her husband and her, you know, on again, off again, best friend? when they aren't loyal or honest to her. So, you know, at this point, I guess I'm Team Allison. I would have never predicted that, but here I am. And Sir Kristen, I knew he wasn't going to be able to keep his cool. I called it last week. I am going to say that I told you so. You know, his honor was the only thing of value to him, and he gave it up. He just gave it up for Rhaenyra. But she only cares about her position and her legacy. She really only cares about herself. Um, I'm not saying she doesn't have affection for him or even have love for him, but she's really reminding me of Daenerys when she cut loose her boyfriend before going back to Westeros. The throne means more to that family than anything. So after last week's shocking episode, I did get some listener feedback. A uh, friend of the show wrote in and said, Love your podcast. I agree with you about Queen Allison. She is now my favorite. Her father used her and now she's stuck in an awful marriage with a sick old man. I now see Rhaenyra as a villain. I'm not okay with how she seduced her knight. He was reluctant at first with his face shamefully lowered. He wasn't really in a position to say no. We don't know his backstory. He may be in love with someone else. Rhaenyra is not at all attractive in my opinion, so he might simply have not been into it. Uh, there is more, but that's all I'm going to share from the message at this point. 
I think that all of that can entirely be possible. I think this episode, though, may have clarified um, Sir Kristen's consent um, from last week's episode when it really wasn't clear. So um, what did you think? What was your take on all of it? Um, you can actually, um, if you check the show description in your podcast app, there is a link where you can actually leave a voice message for my podcast. So leave a voice message and I'll include it in the show. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of I Must Discuss. We're five episodes in. We've got five episodes left. Really excited to see how they wrap all of this up. Until next time.